Welcome to Rising Titans with Andy Weiss, a podcast that hones in on the process of achieving greatness. In each episode, we sit down with a rising titan of industry and learn about their path to success thus far. We always remind our listeners to keep in mind that it's not about the end result, it's about the journey. Welcome, I'm Andy Weiss. In today's episode, we sit down with Craig Berger, founder and CEO of Avid Realty Partners. We'll hear how he went from being a semiconductor research analyst to syndicating real estate deals. Welcome, Craig. Uh, thanks, Andy. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm very glad to have you on. You know, when I when I first was coming up with this podcast idea, you were uh, you were one of the guys who I had in the back of my mind as a, as a potential guest, and so I'm I'm glad I was able to uh, to book you up. I mean, I'm sure sure with everything going on right now, you know, probably swamped and. Uh, you know, out busy meet, meeting people, and uh, you know, <laughs> I kid, I kid, obviously. Um, <laughs> busy, but also less busy, and more yeah. busy, both at the same time. Yeah, uh, I think that's the the same the case for for a lot of us, uh, just at, at home and, and trying to figure out how to be productive. Uh, but uh, why don't you why don't you start off maybe uh, just you know tell tell everyone about uh, tell us about yourself, like where you're from, your background. Uh, okay, fantastic. Yeah, grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, studied accounting in school. Uh, out of out of school, went to work at a large corporation doing financial planning and analysis for a few years. That that was Intel Corp, semiconductor manufacturing leader. Um, from there, uh, I went to Wall Street. Went to go work for the semiconductor equity research analyst at uh, City Smith Barney. And uh, that launched a 12-year journey of sell-side equity research on the street, uh, which gave me an opportunity to underwrite companies and their financial future and perform a lot of analysis and ride the economic cycles and uh, study risk management and time with Fortune 500 CEOs and CFOs to understand what they do well and what they don't do well. Uh, and importantly, to understand sort of investor relations, investor communications, and what what hedge fund, mutual fund, or, or other institutional investors look for um, and expect uh, in in their investments, and, and that was great. Um, but that industry has become a, a bit dislocated and disintermediated by the internet uh, and uh, quant trading and um, with exchange-traded funds and iShares, sort of uh, hedge funds have become less necessary than they used to be. Uh, so there's a variety of reasons why that business has um, um, not gone away entirely, but certainly become a lot smaller than what it was before. And so as I sort of saw that happening, um, I decided to make a change. I decided to make a change into something where I could control my future, control my destiny. And, uh, you know, six, seven, eight years later, I'm still working to achieve that. Uh, and I wouldn't say I'm there yet, but have made a lot of progress. And so in about 2010, I started, while I had my Wall Street job, I started flipping houses 
uh, doing some fix and flips, doing some small rental properties with a variety of, of a couple different partners, um, and uh, just started my my journey in real estate in a small way while I still had a paycheck and still had a job. And then by 2014, I left Wall Street uh, and got over to build our institutional real estate platform on a full-time basis. So that is the, the quick and dirty of my background and sort of how I found my way to real estate. Huh. Interesting. Definitely, definitely not uh, a traditional path, uh, it would seem. But um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, how how did you start to think about doing fix and flips, right? Like, what what popped into your head one day that said, "Oh, I should just start buying houses and renovate them"? Uh, was it someone in your family did it? Like, you know, what 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 brought you to doing that? I knew that a lot of wealth and independence had been created in real estate over the years. I knew that, that, that financially independent, successful people were oftentimes in real estate. Uh, and it was 2010, we were just coming out of the Great Recession, and I felt like asset prices were low. I wanted to roll up my sleeves and begin to do, uh, and begin to um, learn and begin to uh, try to make some some extra cash flow, and and uh, that was sort of the impetus. Interesting, and and I imagine at the time your job was was pretty busy, right? So so you're doing this on top of working fifty, sixty hours a week. Uh, that's right, and I had back then um, a partner. Uh, I, I worked with a couple different partners and. Um, my partners were doing most of the on-the-ground work, and uh, I was sort of leading some of the strategy and uh, the big-picture um, uh, decision-making and sort of managing their output. And, you know, who you choose as your partners is real important. I definitely had some uh, less-than-desirable partners that executed in a less good way. And that's not good. And so, uh, you know, this is part of the, the process of learning, gaining experience, getting smarter, and uh, everybody along the way is going to be making mistakes. If you're out in the field doing, you're going to make mistakes. Um, but hopefully your mistakes are small and manageable and not fatal, and your victories are large and more numerous. And so yeah. that uh, certainly I, I, you know, learned by doing, made plenty of mistakes, had some small losses along the way, which I self-funded uh, and began to get smarter over the course of, of several years. Hmm. How, how long would you say it, it took you to start feeling like you actually knew what you were doing? Um, you know, like until where you where you were at the point where like, all right, I I could do this, and I'm ready to move on to the next step. Well, I sort of jumped in, but I think you know, gaining perspective and experience and whatnot uh, could take four or five years, and then you know, and then I and then I moved on to you know, starting to buy institutional assets and 
understanding that business took another three or four years. Um, and so it does take time, right? You're not just going to have all the perspective and experience you need right out of the gate. Of course, there's, there's, you know, there's other ways to do it. I've seen other successful people that go work for Blackstone or Fortress Investment Group or, or Angelo Gordon and start, you know, at, at, at a lower level within a big institution and gain institutional experience that way and rise up through the ranks and then, and then potentially they can they can cut over and start their own platform and that's certainly you know another interesting way of, of doing it versus just kind of diving in and, and trying to build your own platform uh, so you know different ways to skin the cat yeah I'd, I'd say you definitely have this kind of do-it-yourself approach which you know I could I could kind of relate to we, we both have uh, I, I guess not not I wouldn't say the same backgrounds obviously I, I was not a a sell side analyst at any point, but uh, we both have that kind of technical and, and fundamental, uh, you know, analytic background with the CFA and the CPA. Um, I'm curious, like, you know, you, you did this do it yourself approach. You know, what, at what point do you, do you say like, I'm ready to dive all in and, and just leave, leave wall street? Like how, what was that? What was that like? Like, I imagine you were getting paid, a nice amount of money, um, you know, you have a nice paycheck coming in, good bonus. Uh, you know, at what point do you say, okay, I'm ready to take the leap. I'm ready to, to just trust in myself and that I know what I'm doing and, and can execute on this and, and produce income for myself and, and ultimately for, for others. Cause that's what a, a business owner like yourself is doing. Sure. Uh, it wasn't an easy move. Um, my, my paycheck and bonus were, were nice, but they were not as nice as they used to be. And they were not as nice as one might think for, you know, uh, award-winning sell-side equities analysts. So that certainly helped make the decision. Um, at what point do you do it? I mean, I don't know. I, I'd advise people to, if you have a job and you have something else you want to do, um, you know, keep that paycheck for as long as you can while doing the work on the side. I mean, um, you know, uh, I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but it's, it's not that easy to get fired from a company these days. So, uh, if you have to work a little less hard for your corporate job and a little harder for your, for your dream and your side gig, uh, while subsidizing that dream with a paycheck, you know, that can make a lot of sense. Um, uh, but you know, my, uh, desire to do this full time, I mean, really being available full time is what it takes ultimately to grow your own platform and grow your own business. So you have to be prepared at some point to make that leap, whether it's, um, sooner or later, certainly you need some kind of, some kind of bankroll, uh, in order to manage through the transition. And I, did save up cash from my Wall Street gig in order to do this, and and I've I've been uh, uh, you know I mean look to to do real estate, it's a long tail business, so it takes time to start making money. If you're in a fix and flip business and you're buying houses and fixing them up and reselling them in in sixty or seventy five days, then sure you can make more money faster. Um, or, or make money faster. You're turning over your capital and there's some velocity of capital. 
if you're buying multifamily and holding it for six years, your, you know, your uh, velocity of capital is obviously lower. You're going to need a bigger bankroll or, or other ways of making money on the side in order to, to get you through the transition. But certainly it is not an easy transition. It is not an easy journey. And that's, uh, that's why um, many people can't and won't do it. Huh. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious. I imagine, you know, everything that you learned didn't just come from nowhere. Right? It didn't just come to you in a dream. Uh, what, what kind of resources were you coming into contact with? Were you, were you looking at, uh, uh, you know, different modeling um, boot camps of sorts, uh, you know, different, different books that, that talked about real estate syndication? You know, how, how did you kind of learn the basics or did you really just say, you know, I'm going to go all in on this. You found a partner and, and, and just learned on the fly just by doing. So I, I certainly did uh, jump in and, and learn on the fly by doing, but that was again with fix and flips and, and on a smaller, on a smaller, uh, you know, sort of with, with smaller targets and smaller capital dollars to work where my, where my mistakes were not fatal and we could, um, you know, absorb victories and, and a couple losses all at the same time and still continue to, to, to grow and execute our plan. Um, but as I moved over to larger projects with multifamily, yes, there's a lot of resources for multifamily or for any business that you're trying to get into that, that you should pursue. Um, specifically for multifamily, there's a number of syndication training um, uh, communities um, where uh, I didn't train in them specifically, but I did go to some of the networking events and met some of the folks that are in that community. And networking is, is important. Meeting other, other people that are doing in the, in the industry is important. Um, so there's a lot of educational materials that you can either buy and sign up for with those communities or that you can get for free online. For example, multifamily has, you know, biggerpockets.com is, is a large, um, you know, online resource of information and, and online networking and, uh, you know, discussion forums and all of that stuff. So certainly reading a lot is important, um, you know, potentially training with, with folks that you that uh, that are doing it uh, in some of these training uh, communities is important. Um, it's not always easy to find a mentor uh, and to build a relationship with someone who is successful um, and that you can encourage to care about you and you can care about them and vice versa. That's a hard thing to find especially with successful, busy people that don't necessarily care about, you know, a, a, a smaller, less important person who might be rising through the ranks. But certainly finding a successful mentor is really uh, helpful. Um, I've personally huh. had only mixed success with that strategy. Again, other people are busy. They have their own lives, et cetera, but good uh, – People with, with good interpersonal skills, good communication skills, good emotional intelligence can find mentors and 
get them to care and get them to engage. Obviously, you have to give value to your mentor. You can't just receive value. Uh, you have to convince your mentor or potential mentor to, to care about you um, and, and, again, add value to them and their processes, not just take. Um, but a mentor is really important. And, you know, frankly, I'm still looking for that today in some way. Uh, but I hope my mentor is very well capitalized, <laughs> believes what I'm doing. I mean, it's, it's true, you know. I mean, very well capitalized, believes in what I'm doing, and is, and is ready to commit to, to me and us and our, and our mutual relationship uh, with, with dollars. And that's part of the process that I'm still going through today. Hmm. Um, so, you know, online resources, communities of people, you know, mentorship, uh, and then, you know, the, the thing that's not going to, to replace any of that is, is, you know, doing it. I think, I think that's the, the nail on the head right there. It's, it's just doing it. Um, you know, even it's funny with, with this podcast, I've been talking about doing this for a few years and, uh, finally with a little bit of time here with the pandemic going on. I just said, you know what, now's the time, no time like the present. Um, just do it. Well, you, you do it, you do it a lot. You do it with your, <laughs> your, you know, monthly, monthly networking seminars and presentations now with your podcast, you know, you're one of the most social hosting people that I know. So great job on that. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I really do. Uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, I, I wanted to drill in a little bit more on, on this mentor idea, though, because I, I feel like, you know, what a lot of people, even myself included, I wonder, like, do I have a, a mentor? I mean, I, I definitely have mentors in my life, but I'm curious, you know, is it is it something you think of as like a, a formalized thing? I, I think if people kind of have a, a little bit of discrepancy on like, what is a mentor, right? Like, does it have to be a formal relationship, right? Like, are you, are you engaging in a relationship with someone saying, Hey, are, are, will you be my mentor? Um, you, you know, you know what I mean? Cause I think, I think it's almost like people may sometimes always be looking for it when maybe they, they have it in their life and they just don't realize it and that it's not some formal relationship. It's just, you know, these are the relationships that happen in life. And, you know, like I, I consider you an informal mentor of mine, like someone I look up to, I, I know I could call and get advice for something on. I know that if I needed something, you know, hey Craig, I need a, I need a, I need to connect with this type of person. I know that I can always go to a guy like you, and you could give me advice on that. Um, do, you, you know what I mean? I do, and that's very sweet of you to say. And I consider you one of my mentors. You're one of my networking and and and, and social mentors. Um, uh, but I know what you're saying. Again, I haven't done as good a job on getting a mentor as I want, but, you know, thinking about this right here, right now, I think if you, if you have a relationship with someone or you're forming a relationship with someone and you get to know them a little bit, and then you go to them with a formal proposal that says, I want you to be a, my formal mentor. And here's what that would entail. It's grabbing coffee or lunch once a month 
and talking about things that are important to me. And hey, maybe you can talk about some things that are important to you and bounce bounce things off of me and get a younger person's perspective. And you know, again, it's got to be a two way street with a mentor. It's not about taking everything in life and growing your business is about giving and giving and adding value and doing the right thing, uh, treating people well. And if you do those things and you make smart decisions about your assets and you make smart decisions about how you treat people, you know, then good things will eventually happen to you. But I certainly think just, just thinking about it out loud here with you that I think if you, if you put together a formal pitch after you've already gotten to know somebody a little bit, that uh, that would help, right? Any Anytime you're asking somebody for something, you say, here's what I want. Here's what's required. Here's the scope of work. Uh, <laughs> here's what I, you know, that that helps, doesn't it, right? You, you lay out expectations and you, you drive to deliverables. So I think if you want a formal mentor relationship, you have to make a formal pitch. Got it. You, you got you to submit an LOI. I mean, yeah, right. Um, or it's just like when you're hiring somebody, you say, here's what I'm offering in pay and hmm. here are the deliverables that I need and here's how much time I need from you and, and here's my expectations. You know, can you soften that up and, and turn the tables on? Uh, you know, I don't know that hiring a mentor is the right way to, to frame it, but that's kind of what's going on, right? Here's what I can offer to you uh, if you're willing to be my mentor also. Right. Again, it's not just about taking, it's about giving. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Um, kind of in the same vein of a mentor, I'm curious, do you, who, who holds you accountable, right? Like you're, you're an entrepreneur, you know, every day you have, you have no one, obviously you have your investors to answer to, but no one's telling you, Hey, Craig, you need to spend, you know, 9am to 12pm working on XYZ, right? You have to make your own schedule and you have to choose amongst a myriad of tasks, you know, what is the most important and urgent task? Um, you know, how do you, how do you hold yourself accountable uh, to achieving your goals throughout your, your day-to-day life? Uh, excellent question. I think what you'll find is as an entrepreneur and business owner or somebody who owns eight or 10 businesses, um, I'm busier now than I ever was before. And, um, you know, who holds me accountable is I hold myself accountable. Number one, uh, because I believe in excellence. Number two, my investors absolutely hold me accountable. They are in some ways, my boss in other ways, my customer. Um, but I am definitely, uh, answerable to them and, and, the commitments I've made to them and the um, financial forecasts that I've made. And of course, a forecast is is just a forecast, but you know, this COVID-19 surely is throwing a monkey wrench in my 2020 deliverables. Um, (laughs) But I still feel an obligation to, to deliver for them uh, because they've placed a lot of trust in me, a lot of faith in me, a lot of, financial uh, responsibility in me to some degree I'm responsible for for some of these folks retirement money hopefully not all of it or not even much of it but some of it 
Um, and, and that is uh, a big responsibility. And then, you know, I have employees at my, at my properties, my employees are giving their blood, their sweat, their tears to do the on the ground work. That is absolutely imperative and absolutely important. Um, you know, now more than ever during this COVID-19 crisis, people need homes, they're sheltering in place, they're escaping the wrath of this virus. Um, and we are providing essential services, people's homes. There's almost nothing more than people's homes right now. I haven't left my own home in three weeks. Uh, and so my employees who are on the ground doing this work, I feel a tremendous obligation and responsibility to them. Uh, I treat my employees like gold. Uh, I care about them truly. And in return, I hope they're giving me all of their effort all of their hard work um, and, and effort. And then, you know, finally, there's, uh, you know, certainly last but not least is my customers, our residents. Again, we're providing very important service for them. We're providing for their home, their safety, their security. And uh, that's another, you know, really big responsibility and obligation. So um, all of those are are some of my motivating factors it's very much people driven but it's also financial performance driven um and you know i'll say that one of the things that is challenging for me is delegating and giving up a certain amount of control over mm. uh over things as you scale and scale the business and grow the business you need to find a great right-hand person to rely upon to begin to offload tasks onto and and certainly when you're bootstrapping up your business with limited resources sometimes you have to you know go through three or four less good bookkeepers before you find a good bookkeeper for example to begin to <laughs> offload that task to or or other things right um, if you have you know two hundred dollars an hour to pay to some bookkeeper and you're spending eighty grand a year on a bookkeeper, you can have a great bookkeeper um, but if you're if you're trying to get it done on a budget you're going to have to um, uh, you know be resourceful and, and and probably go through some no's to get to your yes but those are you know just just some thoughts on who keeps me accountable and and uh uh, some of my driving motivations for, for, for staying busy and, and staying effective and staying motivated. Huh. Wow. That's a, uh, that's, that's a lot to digest. And, you know, I, I think, I think one, one point uh, particularly that relates to, to you as a real estate operator that you, you hit on is just this, this idea of balancing your, obligation and your fiduciary obligation to both your, your investors, but, but also your, your tenants. Uh, and, and I think, you know, landlords are, are very often demonized in, in a lot of, uh, a lot of media today, politicians. And, you know, I, 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 I obviously know a lot of landlords like yourself and, and it's interesting to, to see that, that struggle of, um, of, of balancing the two. And, and, you know, I think most people that, that are in, in the business do, do balance it. And, and they do really look to provide their tenants with ultimately great quality living because long-term that's, that's what's going to drive the best returns. 
so, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for what you're saying. Um, and, and I think it's important and really important to highlight to people as well. <laughs> the, uh, the demonization of, of landlords and real estate owners is absurd. Um, it's one of the reasons people are fleeing New York City to Florida, to Texas, to other growth markets, the Carolinas, um, because of the uh, unwelcoming regulatory environment, the unwelcoming um, uh, mindset of New York New Jersey politicians that tax you to death, regulate you to death, demonize you, um, which I think is wrong. Landlords are people too, and we give and we give and we give. Um, but but that's just a small rant on the state of the state of affairs. <laughs> uh, you know, it, uh, uh, balancing my fiduciary obligations to uh, my investors versus delivering for my tenants. They're not competing priorities. They're one and the same thing. Um, I have to deliver a great product to my, to my residents, uh, to my tenants so that they don't leave so that they, um, do their best to treat our property with care because they know we've, we've put in, uh, upgrades. Uh, we need to provide a lot of resident events, uh, again, to drive community stickiness to reduce turnover, to reduce how many uh, apartments I have to, to make ready and turn on an annual basis to get turnover down from 45% to 30%, um, uh, which, which helps in, in, in our financial performance and saves us money. Um, you know, I'm investing um, in better quality vinyl plank floor that I hope lasts a long time. And I'm spending more on that item so I don't have to spend on it later, um, both from a labor and materials perspective. Uh, and it also looks nice and the tenants appreciate it. Uh, and this is even for our workforce housing, you know, sort of lower demographic type of type of residence. So if you treat your residents right, you make the apartments nice, you do the right things, you stay more leased up, your occupancy is higher your turnover and make ready expenses are lower. Um, and that allows me to deliver for my investors. It's a competitive rental market out there and I need to uh, put forth the best product. And I also have to assume that I'm gonna own these properties for a long time, 10 years or, or, or longer and upgrade and renovate them um, consistent with that potential ownership. Yeah, I could flip out of a property in two or three or four years, but I might, own it, you know, cash out refi along the way a couple times to get our investors their money back and their profits and continue to own and inflate, especially in growing and improving areas and neighborhoods. So, you know, delivering for your investors and delivering for your residents are one and the same thing if you're acting uh, uh, the right way and doing the right thing. Uh, I love that. Why, why, I, you know, I, I realize we, we kind of dug into you know your your career track very much we, we didn't really hit on you know what exactly you do for your business now you know we, we talked about how you went from fix and flips to more institutional investing but you know, i guess how would you describe what you do now like what's what's your business plan um i buy apartment properties and provide homes for people and and uh invest investors money and, and hope to 
buy those assets at a low enough price that we can enjoy cash flow and, and, and future property appreciation by improving the property, renovating unit interiors, adding amenities, uh, improving the operations of the property. So basically I'm in value add multifamily. Um, you know, value add is, is kind of a funny thing because most people refer to value add to upgrading unit interiors and upgrading the property, but you can value add with improving the property's staff. You can value add with, with improving the property's operations, um, uh, improving the tenant mix, right? Uh, getting, you know, moving away from problematic tenants, that throw crazy loud parties in the middle of the night, um, or that may that or may have been me. Or, 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 it was it was me. It was me too. Twenty years ago, but um, <laughs> you know, moving away from from uh, tenants that might be uh, of a more violent streak, um, and so on. So there's a lot of different vectors of value add, but but typically it refers to physically improving apartment interiors and. Uh, uh, and amenities and, and upgrading the property uh, and giving value to the property and then extracting more value in return. Huh. Okay. I, I think that was a, a pretty, pretty solid explanation there in, uh, in layman's terms. So I appreciate that. Um, I guess last thing that I'd like to ask you before we get into just like a couple of uh, more advice type questions, you know, what was it like, when you were making this transition, you know, you, you're, you're a, a star research analyst, right? Like, you know, every, every Jewish mother's dream, oh, my son's a, a Wall Street analyst, he's doing, he's doing well, he's successful. You know, what, what was it like telling your parents that you're gonna leave your job and go into this total unknown? Obviously you've been, you know, you've been, you've been doing some stuff on the side, but it's, it's, it's unknown being an entrepreneur, right? Like, there's no certainty anymore around your paycheck. Um, and, and I'm, I, I definitely face this myself and I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, what, how your family reacted to it. Uh, my dad is really smart. He's really experienced. He knows a lot. He told me that I'm insane and that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he was, and he was 100% right. Um, <laughs> They were to some degree disappointed, uh, but they're uh, also excited by the progress uh, that I've made. Um, just, just to be clear, I have not made it. I'm in the process of making it. But this transition, this is a 10-year undertaking um, when you're starting a new business, starting from scratch, 10 years, maybe more. Um, if you're really smart and really good, possibly you can do it faster. But if you're not prepared to spend 10 years growing the business and quote unquote making it, um, you know, then, then keeping a job is probably the best thing for you. Um, wow. It's longer and harder of a transition than I expected with more challenges along the way, but achieving financial freedom, uh, achieving self-sufficiency, uh, and building a platform that's bigger than yourself is not an easy thing to do, and it's going to take time. In fact, it might take more than 10 years. It might be 15 years or 20 years until you really have the safety and security that, that um, you know, comes with a regular paycheck and, you know, not being over leveraged and having cash in the bank for rainy day emergency funds and all of the things that 
large successful companies have and have had along the way in order to survive and weather the periods of crisis. So I definitely haven't made it. I'm hopefully in the process of, of making it. I've made a lot of progress and um, you know, they rightfully thought that I was insane and, and taking on some large risks. That's wow. what, uh, that's, that's what entrepreneurs have to go through if they want to, if they want to be big, obviously the journey is a little easier for some people and it's a little harder for other people and the quality of your decision-making and your strategy and your execution uh, are certainly important factors as to uh, how fast uh, you achieve success and how successful you are along the way versus, you know, flaming out and going back and taking a job, um, which a lot of people do. And there's no, there's no shame in that either. Wow. That's, that's really, I think that's amazing perspective. Uh, I know, I know I relate to it. I'm sure, I'm sure many others can relate to it because it's, it's definitely not easy to become successful. And, and I think uh, a lot of people, you know, they see, Oh, you know, this guy's doing X, Y, Z must be killing it. And, you know, the the day-to-day struggle that you must go through um, is, is tough. Like what, what, what would you say is like that motivating factor that every day just keeps you going? Like, obviously, you know, you have this vision of, you know, success and, and, you know, obviously monetary achievement, right. To, so your family can live and and you can have a safe, secure life. But like, what, what, what's driving you every day? Like that that you're like, I I want this still. Uh, You know, struggle to survive, struggle to win, Um, desire, desire to, uh, achieve my goals, desire to deliver for my investors, desire to deliver for my employees and my residents. Um, you know, it's all of those things that we talked about. But, you know, of course, the the self-sufficiency, the uh, ability to eventually have financial freedom for myself and to hire staff and, and begin to offload more and more of, of our uh, and my regular activities and duties. And those things are starting to happen, which is, which is great, but you know, this is a long road and, and, um, uh, you know, I respect entrepreneurs that have made it a lot. And there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs that have done a lot of great work that haven't made it. And I respect them as well. I mean, you're doing it, you're building your own, your own, uh, you know, debt and equity, uh, uh, provider platform. Um, you've hung out your own shingle. You understand how uh, real the struggle is and how uh, hard it is to grow in a competitive environment in a competitive world. So uh, I think you you can understand and relate to some of that. But you know the the, the number one motivating factor is you know making sure I can pay my mortgage and, and surviving and uh, and growing and and getting getting to the point where we're uh, delivering for those various constituencies and, and then eventually delivering for, for myself and my family. Wow. I love that. I love that. Um, well, well, thank you for that. Um, just a couple of more quick questions, I guess. Uh, what are some, I guess, advice or, or books, you know, things that you, you recommend for people let's say, let's say for instance, some, some mentees maybe that you have, or you know, people who reach out to you for advice on, on how to become successful or how to get into real estate. Or are there any, are there any like key go-to books that you think of as like right away, top of mind? Like, 
this is this is what you have to be reading. Mm. I haven't read as many books as I would like over the last five and ten years. I've certainly read read some. I've I've you know uh, fast skimmed a bunch. I mean, I read a lot of online resources. I read BiggerPockets.com, for example. Um, uh, you know, I should probably read more, but then I'd have to work less. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think that is that has been something that I'd, I'd like to do more of. Um, you know, I don't have a great answer for that. There's a lot of good books out there on leadership. You know, there's the, uh, you know, traits of an effective leader series. Uh, you know, there's emotional intelligence um, related reading that I think can be helpful when dealing with, with people in the organization. Um, obviously there's, you know, educational material around the technicals of how do I analyze an underwriting deal? How do I source deals? All the, the real estate specific duties, you know, there's, there's a lot of material around how do I run a property, either small, small rental business, larger rental business. There's been no, no one silver bullet on the educational front for me. So it's really just a, a mix of, you know, getting out there and, and, and staying, uh, uh, continuing to grow your knowledge base. I'm signed up for a, a two-day webinar this weekend while people are trapped at home. Hmm. Um, and, and just trying to see if there's other things I can learn I love uh, from other people that way. But, you know, I don't, that was a long, it uh, was a long, long-winded uh, way of saying, I guess I need to read more books. <laughs> well, I, I certainly didn't mean to shame you, but I, I you know, I'm a little disappointed because I was hoping you were going to tell me uh, what to read with the step-by-step guide of, of how to be successful. So, I, you know, I could just, I just know what to do, but I, you know, I got, I guess, uh, me, man. <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess I'm just going to have to keep looking for that. Um, what, what would be the biggest advice that you'd give to someone listening to this? Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are either starting their careers or, or looking to grow their careers. Maybe, maybe also looking to take that, that leap and, and leave their job right now. Um, and what, what, what advice would you give? Well, first of all, if you have a job, that's great. Um, I'd always be looking for a better job. This is a tough time to be looking for a better job, but not being complacent in your existing employment state is something that's important. Lateraling over or moving over to a promotion at a different firm can be a nice way of moving up the ranks, um, negotiating from a position of strength while you have good gainful employment um, uh, is is something that's valuable for people that have jobs, right? Just don't continue to coast. Um, sometimes it's important to get out of your comfort zone and look for something new. Uh, for folks that want to start their own thing, you know, we've we've touched on a lot of it, but educate yourself. Um, certainly while you have a job doing as much work and, and laying the groundwork to build your business while you have a paycheck, while you're being subsidized by your employer, again, is something that's really important. You know, find people out in the industry that are doing it, right? Get them to, to care about you and be vested in your, in your success, um, by giving to them and not just taking. Uh, and then, you know, of course, there's, there's the track that we talked about before, which is, 
you know, go work for a large successful firm that's doing it, gain your experience that way, rise up through the ranks of a multifamily owner if you want to be in multifamily and then lateral over to starting your own thing with experience with relationships. You know, that's certainly a, a, a great track and a maybe a slightly less risky track, but you know, ultimately it comes down to this, identify your passion, identify your dream, ask yourself whether you're really and truly willing to do the hard work that's going to be required to achieve that dream and then go for it. Wow. I love that, Greg. I really do. Um, how, how could people reach you if, if they have questions or you know, maybe if they want to invest in some, uh, some future real estate endeavors? Sure. Send me an email, Craig at avidrealtypartners.com. Once again, Craig at avidrealtypartners.com, A-V-I-D. And uh, I'm happy to engage and communicate with, with anyone, big or small, um, old or young, rich or poor. Uh, I speak to everybody, open door policy, would, would love to hear from you. And um, yeah, thank you. Thanks so wow. much for this Craig. opportunity. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on, on Rising Titans, Craig. Really appreciate it and uh, wish, you, wish you all the best. Always. And, and every, everyone so at home, Andy. stay safe and, and stay, he stay healthy. Thank you, Andy. All right. Speak soon. Bye-bye.